Hi, I'm Pastor Dallas Billington, Senior Pastor here at City Church, and we want to welcome you today to our services. We hope that no matter what you're facing in life, that through the message today, through God's Word, He will truly encourage your heart. If you would, open up your Bibles to uh, John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And uh, we're going to read verse just uh, verse 1 here to start. It says, Let not your heart be troubled. This is Jesus speaking to the 12 disciples. It says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, this is a, this is a beautiful passage. These are your words. They're written in red in your living Bible. They were written to your 12 disciples who you walked on this earth with, who you chose to do ministry with, to live life with, to do miraculous things, to change the world. And you love them. And Lord, you chose out of all the things that were going on, we're told that the Bible can't hold all the things that you did on this earth, but you chose to put this in here so that these words could be used to comfort us when our hearts are troubled, when we're hurting, when we're sorrowful, when we get ready to say goodbye to this world or say goodbye to someone that we love. So, Lord, I pray that today we'd be encouraged through the power of your word and that you would bring to life the scripture today. Help us to see things maybe in a different way. We ask these things together in Jesus' name. Amen. So, let me read that verse one more time. And Jesus is talking to his disciples. says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. So, in order to understand that a little bit better... Let's turn, keep your finger there, we're going to come back, but turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 14, and we're going to look at verses 17 through 19. So I want to, I want to talk a little bit about, this was the Last Supper, and this was a time when Jesus fully understood and he knew that these were his final days on earth. This was it. This was his final time. And he pulls together his 12 disciples and he sent Peter and John ahead and he says, go into town and when you see a man in town with a pitcher of water, go to him, follow him to his master's house and when you get there, tell the master, hey, my master, the Lord Jesus, has need of your room. And, you know, of course, okay, that's just such a bizarre statement. Okay, come on into the house. And so they began to prepare this Last Supper. And I think of that, you know, I think one of the more intimate, beautiful settings is a time of fellowship with the people that we love the most. You know, my mother-in-law and father-in-law, when they built their home some probably 20 years ago, they, my mother-in-law was adamant that they had to have this gigantic table 
in their, in their house. So when you walk in, there's a you know, modest living room. I'm sorry, Mom. Don't feel like I'm making fun of you, because I am. Um, you know, there's a modest kitchen. It's nice. My father's a carpenter, and father-in-law, he makes everything beautiful. And modest, you know, office, everything's nice. And then you walk into the kitchen, and in, in, in this kitchen dining room area, there is the mother of all tables. And because she wants the family to be together. It's very special. So that's always a big thing. And so, you know, whenever you're assembled together with people you love, it's a beautiful moment. And so that's what's taking place here. And so as Jesus sits down with the 12, and these are the disciples that he walked on for his earthly ministry, and they did miraculous things. They fed the 5,000. And they had fish left over. And they healed the blind. And they raised the dead. And they cast out demons. And they also had to flee when the religious leaders wanted to kill them. And they were hungry. And they didn't have a place to stay. They were literally a band of brothers. And sometimes when you're in a military environment, that term comes out of living in a way where you are so dependent upon each other that your unit actually ends up being closer than sometimes a family does. They're close. They know everything about everybody. They've lived with each other. They know Jesus' ministry. They know the good and the bad. They know who has good habits about certain things. They know who has great love for certain people. They just know everything. Now they're assembled together and they're intimately sharing a time together and they're having a meal. And here's what starts to take place. Verse 17. In the evening, he came with the 12. Jesus came with the 12. Now as he sat and ate, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you who eats with me will betray me. One of my band of brothers, one of you who's basically went to war with me, not going to fail me. You're not going to mess up. You're not going to just turn your back. You're going to betray me. As we read on, it says... Uh, Verse 19 says, and they began to be sorrowful and say to him, one by one, is it I? And another said, is it I? The disciples, the band of brothers, these men that walked with Jesus doing everything they possibly could for the last few years, they became sorrowful. Their hearts are hurting. And they're like, one of us is going to betray you? You? Jesus? And they're sad. They're sorrowful. And it's interesting that they all, one by one, started to look at him and go, is it me? Am I going to do that? And I appreciate the human side of that. Because not one of them immediately at that point said, I'm not, I'm not the one. I'm not, I'm, I would never do that. And we know we, we're going to read a little bit about Peter later who says, I won't deny you. But 
They question their humanity because we're all capable of terrible, evil things in our weak moments. We are. We're human. We're in this flesh. And the disciples had to question, am I the one that's going to betray Jesus? And they became very sorrowful. So I want you to think about this. They're sad. They're realizing this inner circle, this band of brothers, somebody's going to betray Jesus. If you would turn to John chapter 17, John chapter 13, we're going to read just previously what's happening before John chapter 14. And we're not going to turn there necessarily, but if you should look up and these verses aren't up there, Jesus said multiple times in Scripture, and they just, the disciples didn't understand it, and we can all understand why. He said multiple times, I'm going to die. I'm going, I'm going to lay down my life. And they didn't understand that. And humanly speaking, I get it. You know, I remember my dad, even when he was getting older, and he would want to talk about his passing, and, and he would want you to prepare for things. And I was like, oh, oh Dad, I don't want to talk about that. I don't, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to think about that. Especially because I was so much younger than my other siblings. I wasn't mature enough to grasp the importance of talking about it. And he was ready to talk about it at times, and I just wasn't there. And so the disciples were like, these are young men. They're, they're in the prime of their life, and they're like, they couldn't grasp what Jesus was talking about. And so even earlier on, and even in some of the other Gospels, he said, I'm going to die. And they couldn't grasp that, but that's another heaviness that's taking place at the dinner table that night. So then, if we pick up here, John chapter 13, verse 36 and 37. Simon Peter said to him, said to Jesus, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. And we're quick to judge Peter. But I, I will tell you, Peter meant that with all his heart at that moment. And he proves it later in the Garden of Gethsemane. He, they're outmatched. They're outgunned, if, if you have it. you know. And he draws his sword and he goes to defend Jesus. He's willing to die at that point. And later we know he denies Jesus, but then in a moment of weakness, he denies the Lord over and over. But Peter, Peter's my, he's the kind of guy I want with me. He's the guy that I know he'll, he'll fight most all the time. And he's telling the Lord, he's like, where are you going? What do you mean? I, I'll lay down my life. I don't want you to leave. Whatever I need to do, I'll do, Lord. I'm your guy. Don't leave. I'm sad. So I want you to picture the heaviness of what's happening so that we can capture the heart of Jesus when he's talking to them as we pick up in the next chapter. Okay? So think of it. They're sorrowful. 
they're confused, they're sad, and they're pleading with Jesus. Because everything they feel they've worked for is now going away. So let's pick back up at John chapter 14. Jesus again says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And Jesus is not posing a question there. He knows them. He's telling them, I know you believe in God. I know you believe in God. Now, believe in me. Trust me. Trust me. Often these, I will tell you, I would say most of the funerals that I'm a part of when I'm sharing something with a family. This is one of the passages that I'll often read. And he's telling the disciples, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself and where I am, there you may be also. And Jesus is telling them, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die, but I'm going to my father's house. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. And that made a lot of sense to the disciples because often they would go from town to town, city to city. And just like he had sent Peter and John on ahead to go to the upper room, and he said, go prepare this place, this upper room, prepare our dinner, he would often send the disciples ahead and this was common. And he said, go into this town, go into this city, and prepare our way. Get it ready for us. And so he would send them on, and he would entrust them to get it ready for them, to make the way. And so that made sense to them. So when he told the disciples, in my father's house, there are many dwellings. In other words, there's plenty, there's lots of room. It's a big, big house. And there's lots of room. And I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And then just like they would often do, Jesus said, when you start to come in to God's home, I'm going to come back out and meet you. And I'm going to greet you. And I'm going to bring you in. Isn't that a beautiful setting? Isn't that a beautiful picture? It's a comforting image. <clears throat> and where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas, Thomas gets a bad rap sometimes. Unfairly, I, I might add. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. And how can we know the way? And part of it is, you know, again, that human side of just not understanding all that was taking place. And the other part is, how do, you, how do you understand at that time what heaven's like? How do you understand about making it into heaven? How do you understand what Jesus is talking about, about building a place in God's heaven? And how do you understand how Jesus is going to die God in the flesh, Jesus' son, how do, you, how do you understand that he's going to leave you? 
And Thomas is just being honest. Most of them are probably sitting there thinking it. He's just the vocal one. He's the one that when you're in a group and everybody's quietly thinking, well, I'm not really sure to understand it. And you've got that one friend that blurts it out and goes, I don't get it. What do you mean? What do you, what do you mean? We don't know what's happening here. I'm going to back up one second. It says uh, where Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you myself. Um, he says, if it were not so, I would have told you. So just a reminder, he's talked about heaven. He's talked about God's home. And he said, if there, he would have told them this whole time, if there wasn't something more, I would have told you about it. If there was another plan, I would have told you about it. So what is the plan? What is the way? This is when Jesus said, maybe one of the more beautiful things in all of scripture. Jesus said to him, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, when we look at that and when we sing that, even today, it makes sense to us, doesn't it? Makes sense. When I was studying a little bit about this, and I was actually studying for that song some period of time ago, because when, when we worship together as a church, I want it, we want our church worship here to be more than just a song. And so I was digging into the song a little bit, and I had... And as I was digging into this song, I had put a note for a possible message about a year and a half ago called The Way, The Truth, and The Life. And so I was digging into it, and I started to look into it. And as I was researching and looking into some thoughts, I came upon some Jewish teachings. Man, it was so beautiful. So picture this. The Twelve disciples have walked in the desert place. They have listened to Jesus' teachings. They have seen his miracles. They believe that he is the son of God. They trust him and they love him. And they have followed him into the temple time and time again. And Jesus has walked into the temple and he has taught and the temple is a more modern version of the tabernacle that God instructed Moses to build. And this is really cool too. The tabernacle is where it began. The temple is what was built. We know that we understand that the temple is going to be rebuilt again. And do you know what the tabernacle is a model of? A tabernacle is a model of the tabernacle in heaven. It's all connected. So they're very intimate with the structure of it. So when we read that and Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life for these Jewish men who grew up believing in God and had the family tradition of sitting at their family tables and listening to their parents and their grandparents and their family talk about God and talk about Moses and talk about the tabernacle their whole lives 
what Jesus said to them meant something so much more. Not only then, but can you imagine the depth of what this meant later when Jesus laid down his life and then rose from the grave and they saw him again and all the things that he said. And these words came back to them. So if you would bring up the picture of the tabernacle. <clears throat> so I want you to, and, and maybe, uh, Rob, if you would point the camera quickly for those that are watching online to this picture. So this is a picture of the tabernacle. The tabernacle was surrounded in white linen everywhere, completely around the tabernacle, every which way, with one exception. On the eastern gate is some beautiful linens that were dyed in purples and reds. Do you know what they called that? That gate was referred to as the way. That is the way. And you know what? It's the only way to get into the tabernacle of God. To worship. To walk into that. So Jesus said, I am the way. So it's the only way. And then the beauty of that, that entrance there... You know, often when you stand outside of Christianity and we live in a world today that when we talk about there's only one way to heaven and it's through Jesus, when you stand on the outside and you don't fully understand it, people will say, that is the most narrow-minded thinking that I've ever heard in my life and it's, it's, not, inc it's not inclusive enough and it, it shuts the door on everything else. That gate was not closed to anybody. No one was denied entry to it. It was open for anyone. All could come in. That remains the same today. Jesus is the way, and it's open for everyone. It doesn't matter what religion, it doesn't matter what sex, it doesn't matter what color, it doesn't matter. That gate is open and you will not be denied. So when Jesus said, I am the way, they immediately thought of it differently. So then when we go through the gate and we begin to walk by the brazen altar, altar where the sacrifice was made, and then the next part of the tabernacle was called the holy place. The entrance of the holy place, and when you would walk through the entrance of the holy place, that's where the candle, the seven candlesticks was there, and the incense that would burn to offer up the prayers for the people, and the showbread was there. The entrance of the holy place, do you know what the Jewish rabbis would refer to that as? The truth. The entrance of the holy place was the truth. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth. Now the truth, the entrance to the holy place, the truth was only for 
the priestly tribe. Only the priestly tribe were allowed to go into that part of the holy place of the tabernacle. And then, past that point, once you were into the holy place, there was the holy of holies. And it was divided by the veil. And on the other side of the veil was the Ark of the Covenant of God. And on the Ark of the Covenant of God, on top of it was the mercy seat. And once a year, once a year, the high priest was appointed to bring the sacrifice for the people. And he would take that sacrifice and he would put that blood on the mercy seat. And that is where they represented that the people found God and they found peace and their sins were covered. And by faith, prior to Jesus, by faith, they found eternal life. And so when Jesus told the disciples, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He said and showed them, I am the representative of the tabernacle of God. I am the revealing of what God designed thousands of years ago. And I am how you find your way to heaven. I am how you find your way to peace. Today, it's still the same. This message is still true. What it meant to the disciples at that point, at that night, as their world started to unravel, and as they hurt, and as their sorrow became full, and as their hearts were troubled and broken, joy became real. And peace and love and hope remained. Because everything was made complete. And as we sang about earlier, victory happened through the blood the perfect blood that was shed by the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Pastor Dallas shared with us uh, on this amazing series of uh, angels that I really enjoyed a lot over the past few weeks. And we think about the spiritual powers of angels and demons that are taking place behind the scenes. And we think of the world that we live in. And, uh, you know, dear brother shared with me... Uh, a clip from Fox News this past week. And uh, it was a clip for a lady in Arizona who was on the school board who made a statement because they were partnered with many different colleges in the area to say that, uh, you know, here's programs where some of our students can go into different colleges. And it was a Christian college that they were partnered with. And uh, she read how those Christian college stood. It was very biblically stated. And they believed in um, the foundations of the Bible and their stance on marriage and these different things. And so this lady on the school board said, because of their stance on Christianity uh, and where they stand with the Bible, 
we should no longer partner with anybody that stands for Christianity. And I, and I turned it, tuned it down a little bit for you here today. But we live in a day where people don't know the way. My first thoughts were, that person is lost. They don't know the way. And there's a, I don't wish judgment. I just kind of pray that she finds the way because I do know that she holds a greater responsibility because she's impacting children. May God have mercy on her because of the influence that she has. May God have mercy. But today, church, let me just remind you, in your circles, in your friends, in your family, in your neighbors, in your coworkers, in your circles, just remember, people today, some of them are just like Thomas. I don't know the way. I don't know the way. I don't know how to get there. I don't know how to find salvation. I don't know how to find eternity. And I don't know how to find peace on earth. And you might just simply say, I know the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And all you got to do is just believe. Ask him to come into your heart to change your life. Praise team, if you come up here. Church, let's stand. I hope that uh, whether you're here with us today or whether you're watching online, I hope that you're encouraged by God's living word and his plan and how he designs everything in, in such a miraculous way. And know that it's all out of love. And when he went to leave the disciples, willingly knowing that he was going to suffer greatly, and he's like, I love you. And don't worry. I'm the way and the truth and the life. And uh, there's victory in Jesus. Amen. So, church family, if you've found the way, if you're watching today and you've found the way, share it. Pray for that one small time. Just maybe just a word, just to say. You just need to find the way, the way to Jesus, the way home. Realize, don't be discouraged. Most people, most people rejected Jesus' message. And a lot of people are going to reject the message that you share too. But there's a revival that's taking place parts of our country, parts of the world. And uh, we know just one soul, one soul that finds the way. All of heaven rejoices. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you. And Lord, I pray that if there was someone here today, Lord, maybe they
They know, they've heard of you, they believe in you, um, but they haven't taken the steps down that road. They haven't walked through that gate because it takes a step of faith to say, Lord Jesus, I believe and I want to walk in to your presence and I want you to take my heart and I want to give it to you and I want to walk with you for the rest of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and change me for all eternity so that when my life here on earth ends, my life in eternity begins with you and the place you've prepared for me. I pray that today they might do that. Maybe they did it right now, just in that simple prayer, just praying it with me. Lord, if there's someone here today that just wants to walk forward and just pray that with me here at the end, I pray that you'll give them the courage, just as the tabernacle used to be there physically to walk through, that they'll walk up here today and find you. Lord, I pray that you'll be with our church family and those that are out there to encourage them more and more as the days on earth get shorter and shorter that we will all the more softly proclaim the truth in love that there's a way. Because, Lord, we see today that lies are often shouted at the tops of people's voices to try to steer people down the wrong paths. Help them to find the path that leads to you. We love you and we pray these things today. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has spoke to you today through his word. You know, no matter what you go through, no matter what you face in life, I want you to know that through the one, Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross of Calvary, he shed his perfect blood for you and for me. And if you pray right now and ask Jesus into your heart, the message that you heard today, why God is speaking to you, I want you to know that you can have hope. And all you have to do is pray with me right now. Don't try and figure it out. The Lord says by faith, we accept Jesus as our Savior, and you'll have hope for eternity. You say, Dallas, will you help me? What do I have to do? Well, let me share with you a verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you're willing to believe that God sent his Son to die on a cross for you, just pray this prayer with me right now. And you can have heaven as your home. Jesus will forgive you for anything you've done in this life. And you can have hope from this day forward. Pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me a sinner. I believe that you're God's son. And you came and lived a perfect life. And you died on the cross and you shed your perfect blood for all of my sin. And right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me for all of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And from this day forward, help me to live by your resurrection power. In Jesus' name.
If you've prayed that prayer, we want to hear from you. Contact us through our website, City Church AC, or you can get at our church app through any of the um, streaming services, and we want you to know that we'll contact you. And from this day forward, no matter what you face, you'll always have hope knowing that Jesus is your Savior, and he'll come through in your life. Thank you for being with us today.